You're listening. You're listening. You're listening. You're listening to Music Biz 101 and more. If you want to learn about the music industry and you don't know where to go, tune in to WP88.7. Because I am not emeritus like you. I am not retired. That's right. Working for a living. Yeah. But you're not working anymore. You're uh, just living the dream. (laughs) Whatever dream is. The only dream is not to have the disease right now. (laughs) That's right. So it's a... We should thank some people. Yes. uh, We will give thanks today. To the folks at Van Dyne Bruno Inc. and White Hat Management with artists like Dave Matthews, Three Doors Down, St. Vincent, and Kiss. There's only one place for you to go for your band's business management. Go to VB. Uh, it's very quiet. Very quiet. Hyphen. It's, it's, it's like a, a silent E at the end of uh, the word. Uh, I, can't, uh, I can't think of a word with a, the word there. Um, silent E at the end of the word there. So, um, bb-cpa.com when you're ready. And our thanks go to Christine. Oi. Bay, a wealth manager at the Forefront Group. Christine has helped professionals all over the world manage their investments, plan after their retirement. When you're thinking of building a bridge to your financial future, think about the Forefront Group and go to christine.oi.vey at forefront.com. I should read the last oil off for savings. And I blow it every time. Yes, leave that oil off for savings. I should remind everyone, go to musicbiz101wp.com. Sign up for that newsletter. That is so awesome. And also, you're probably following us on the Instagram, Twitter, the Fatch book at musicbiz101wp. I'm on TikTok, Professor David Kirk Philp. Follow me there for no real reason. And then, uh, of course, you may be listening to this podcast on the iTunes, the SoundCloud, or... You may be uh, listening to us live on Brave New Radio. And, of course, Dr. Esteban, Managing Your Band, 7th Edition, 2021. Is that going to happen? We're keeping both fingers crossed. 
Yes, all of the two fingers we have left that we have not bitten off due to pandemic, we're hoping for that. And then William Patterson, the university, ranked one of the best music business programs in the world, according to a guy named Bill Board. That's exciting, yeah? Yes, it is. See, you wouldn't have said it if it wasn't true. We have guests. We have guests today. Today, they do. Courtney and Paul Clemson with a K-L-I-M-S-O-N of Theory One Productions and the Rhodey Clinic, a not-for-profit. And when I say not-for-profit, I am putting hyphens between the not and the for-profit. Not-for-profit advocacy group designed to address the unique issues faced by live music's gig workers. Courtney and Paul, welcome to Music Biz. Siento y uno y más. Thank you for, Thank having, you for us. having us. <laughs> Great to have you guys. Yeah. I've been, I was reading the last couple of days about you guys that you were, uh, I guess, just loafing around like regular musicians and just hanging out now until uh, <laughs> this virus is over. Yeah, I mean, we've really not been doing much of anything. We just kind of <laughs> sit around in our pajamas most days. So it's a uh, downtime. So with all this going on and you guys so busy having some great companies, uh, what's your day like now with the uh, COVID-19? Like, what did you do yesterday? <laughs> I don't think we should start with yesterday. That was a little bit off for us. All we right, the, the Monday. We were Same thing. We forced a vacation because we've been going pretty much 16 hours straight since uh, a day. March. Yeah, it's, it's, we treated in a nice, you know, loungely entertainment life for, let's start a nonprofit. And uh, all those learning curves uh, out of the way. But uh, it's been great. Uh, a lot of grassroots growth. A lot of people joining in and adding fuel to the flames. It's a lot of uh, it's a lot of emails. It's a lot of Zoom calls. We've suddenly become public speakers during COVID, which I'm an introvert, so this is like my <laughs> nightmare. <laughs> but but I'm happy to do it. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, yesterday we were actually taking care of ten puppies, so it's not all worse. It's not all bad. But all right. it's so let's let's fun. talk about the clinic. Sure. Um, I know um, you probably know, of course, too, from New York, uh, Road Recovery. Mm-hmm. with uh, Gene and um, his name escapes me, but Gene Bowen's a good friend of mine. Mm-hmm. And uh, did, was that sort of one of the things that started uh, you thinking about doing something like the clinic? Honestly, no. Um, <laughs> okay. I mean, to be honest, uh, so, you know, we've been married for 17 years and we've been best of friends for 22 years. And I saw Paul's career start back in our college days when he was doing, um, you know, van and trailer tours where you work all day and you drive all night. And then we got married and it got a little bit better. He got, he got on tour with Tanya Tucker. It was his first big bus tour. And uh, so you think life's going to get a little bit better and then you move on in your career. And so he's gone from, you know, the smallest to the largest. Now he's with Drake and Justin Timberlake. Um, And I've just been watching throughout the course of those two decades, what that does to our relationship, what that does to our friends' relationships, to our mental health, to our physical health. Um, Luckily, I mean, for us, we we decided not to have children, but then we've got friends who come off the road and they've got kids, you know, jumping all over them. And it's just, it's a really, it's a really challenging lifestyle. 
Um, this is the first time in the history of our marriage where we've been together for birthdays and anniversaries. That's very new to us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and there's also the element of um, families not fully feeling welcome on the road, especially the higher you get. It's like, no, sorry, your wife can't come out today. No, sorry, that's just not, you're not going to see each other for a couple months. That's just life. Sorry, the show has to happen. Um, and it was just kind of a combination of, of of all of the hundreds and thousands of conversations we've had with industry industry peers around our dinner table, we all have the same struggles. We all have, we all have similar battles that we face, um, whether we're the guy behind the console or the girl, you know, waiting at home, killing hours of time just to, until we, you know, or the girl or... flying speakers or the girl <laughs> running <laughs> your cart team, um, whatever, whoever it is. I'm talking about this. It's very, yes, but um, very common um, issues go, you know, run, run the course of our lives. And so we wanted, the one thing that we never had was a place that we could go. Um, there were websites that are around for help and there were, you know, phone numbers we could call. But was there an actual home base for roadies? Was there an actual place that people could come yeah. and um, really be themselves and, and be in a community of like-minded thinkers? And that's just something that never existed. And it would have been really helpful for me back home, wondering what in the world is going on with my husband, uh, to be able to have a place to just reach out, go and, and talk mm -hmm. to somebody. So that's, that's really what brought about the clinic. I was tired of watching my friends suffer. I was tired of watching um, multiple divorces on tour after Paula come home. Yeah, these five people got divorced. Isn't that a shame? Like these things are things that can be avoided. These are things that shouldn't happen. Um, and so we want to we want to play our part in not only advocating for roadies but also for their families, for their kids, for their partners, for their spouses. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what's this building that's going to open up? So it's kind of behind us. It's, it's right across the street from us. We're out in Niles, Michigan. We actually had to, uh, uh, we left New York City. Um, the plan this year was to obviously before we have a tour and self-fund this location. Uh, we're, Niles kind of fell in our laps. We have family here. We've been coming here for six or seven years to just rest and recuperate. And it started clicking off all the boxes that, um, you know, we've felt uh, up until like last July. And last July is when Courtney actually realized an idea, put it on paper. We started floating it out to trusted colleagues. And they're like, this idea has legs. So we woke up one day when we were hanging out here at family and there was a building for sale in the, in the downtown for pretty stupidly cheap. And uh, it, it fit every single category. And that's when it really kind of started catching fire. Um, and then ever since then, it's just been getting introduced to the next person, the next person, another organization. And we're really just staying in the niche of a place to come uh, for roadies to get therapy or uh, counseling or, you know, financial advice or just to come unplug and check out and not have to do anything other than just be themselves. And since we've grown and had other people show up to kind of our, our scene, they're saying, now we need to do this, you know, start thinking phase two. And we're like, but phase one's not done yet. It's good <laughs> and so now it turns into, you know, the conversations where people want to hear us saying, yes, we're going to look at somewhere, New York area, LA area, you know, Vegas, Nashville, Tempe, Atlanta, just that's the bigger picture that people are really kind of uh, diving into um, once they, they show up and they're like, this is a big thing, you can't just be here. But here is beautiful. Yes. And the building is a three-story commercial building from the 1860s. 
Uh, we're working with the State Historic Preservation Office uh, to restore it back to its beauty that it was. Mm. Uh, the first floor will be separated in, into essentially three um, locations. On the right side of the building, there will be the, the welcome area for the clinic. Uh, on the left side, it's gonna be a, a retail store. Uh, it's our way of giving back to the community here that's that's receiving us so beautifully. To help the downtown you know, continue to thrive. I wanna have at least 80% of what we sell come from within a 30 mile radius of local artists and vendors who just need a home base for their product. Um, and in the back will be our commercial kitchen and our dining area. It'll, the table will seat 13. It'll seat enough for one whole tour bus, uh, driver included. Um, and that's where we'll have our family meals. On the second floor, we'll have four individual lofts with their own bathrooms. There'll be a common laundry area. Um, a, a sober bar will be in that lounge. We will make it a safe place for people that are struggling with addiction or, or on their journey towards sobriety. And then on the third floor, we'll outfit that with the clinic offices. Another one, our final, our fifth loft, um, two soundproof therapy suites, and a little mixed studio for people that just, you know, have some work that they need to catch up on. Um, so yeah, that's what our building today entails. Yeah. What what kind of bar? You said that a silver bar. Is that what you said? Silver. Oh, sober. Okay, sober bar. Okay, because I was thinking they're coming off to maybe dry out, and then you're giving them a bar. So okay, so. <laughs> <No>. sober. <laughs> so are they going to be? Is it? Um, we'll have you figure out who is welcomed and who isn't. I mean, will a straight, unfortunate roadie that's a real straight junkie now, will he be able to come here, or is he going to have to go to rehab first? He'll need to go to. Re he or she will need to go to rehab at some point. Mm -hmm. We are not a rehab. We aren't even a halfway house, but we will be a stopping point. If, yeah. if they can kicked out of their home and they have two or three days until they can get into the rehab, they can come stay with us. Mm -hmm. If um, they're just coming out of rehab and they don't really have a place to, to land quite yet, mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. they're looking for that, you know, community, they can, you know, they're welcome as well. Yeah, but we are not, we are, we will have, Plenty of professionals in the um, sober community as, uh, on our team, but we will not be acting as a rehab. Right, right. It, it's, it just sounds great. I mean, it sounds like it could be like a Ronald McDonald house mm -hmm. and now go all over the country with this mm -hmm. uh, places where guys can get help We're and women can get help, sure. Yeah, that is the, that is the long-term goal for sure. Yeah. What will you do if you have somebody, though, who is starting to overstay their welcome? You know, it's been two days, three <laughs> days, and they're getting really comfortable, four days. Like, how do well, you, how you charge them? No, that's why we're nonprofit. We will not be charging people as much as we can handle that. Mm -hmm. um, we're gonna. It, it's gonna be. It's gonna be something that's set up before they arrive. We'll have mm -hmm. one day, three day, five day packages, and if we need to to adjust that based on somebody's needs, we will. But there will be boundaries. There will be guidelines before people come to, the, to make sure that that everybody is on the same page. Yeah, yeah. If it's more of a of a sensitive case, um, obviously we'll have you know professionals here in Niles. Um, handle that but hopefully it's um you know the stays lean more towards families coming or entire buses coming to to give them that booster to give them you know an extra uh you know kick in the arm and, and <laughs> to to get them to the next level um we will deal with obviously the the harder cases but um you know we just want a place of happiness and, and growth mm -hmm. right, that's great
Do you have uh, services? So if somebody's on the road and they need somebody to talk to, they can call you guys up. There's a 800 number or something where they can kind of be heard. We're building that. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We'd love it to be as local as much, but obviously we have to pay attention to, you know, the virtual side as well. So that's definitely in the plans of, of being able to be reached, someone being able to be reached 24 hours a day, no matter what part of the, con the continent you know, or globe you're in. We're clearly we're not fully open yet, so that's not something that exists quite yet. Um, but our goal is when tour kicks off, our goal is to have some kind of network established so that no matter the issues, a human can be reached 24 hours a day on the other side of the phone, and we can we can um, you know come to their aid as quickly as possible. That is that is on the agenda mm -hmm. to be prepared by the time touring season kicks off again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This time period has been. Crazy scary, obviously, because of you know, work stoppage for their entertainment business, but also the spotlight is squarely on crew right now, and that's been giving us a lot of open doors to um, conversations with other organizations that are already doing similar things. Um, and we're just going to try to be the hub and point people into those if they're doing it, or if another organization's already doing it, then we'll <clears throat> make sure that the roadie can get into that and follow up and make sure that they're getting the help and not just, you know, pushing them off to another organization. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Great. All right, let's talk a little bit about um, your other side, or one of your other sides, with Theory One Productions. Mm -hmm. And um, it sounds, again, like it's something that's going to be totally comprehensive. Or, I mean, it is totally, I'm not thinking ahead of course, that it is totally comprehensive as you have the technical backstage technical side taken care of and now you're going to have or you do have the other side as well and how did sort of you get into that i mean not just being a sound engineering but how did you get into that because it's you know it's a an area that we teach about about in the sense of we teaching it what they call upstage and backstage mm -hmm. and the difference and psychological difference for the artist but we never talk too much about the back wine people even further back mm -hmm. that again when they're on they're they're on for those two hours and then they're off uh and on top of that of course is the whole production detail mm -hmm. so how did you sort of um combine all of that i think um over the years we've both worked in the live side uh theater installations television we've if there's a place that pro audio yeah. could touch, we've been a part of it. And that and that falls in other production sides too. I mean, we've we've produced uh, a few shows in New York here and there, and delves into dealing with vendors and stuff. But um, mainly getting into into this, it's almost like a theater mentality nowadays. Where I, I like I tell I tell young kids to have to start building their big vision. And that's kind of like knowing what is supposed to happen next. Did it look right or not? And then if not, what is wrong with what you think is, is not happening correctly? Troubleshooting. And that's not just my hands on faders and what the audio is doing, but, you know, goes into lighting, goes into set pieces, goes into the, the special effects. And you kind of become this rounded individual who knows how a show is supposed to happen. And if you have that ending vision, then it's easy to figure out what you plug into it as the audio engineer to help support, um, you know, whoever's downstage center, the band, 
Um, nowadays, on big tours, where I'm sending audio feeds to, you know, security. They're you know they're wearing in ears now because of how loud shows are and it's easier to communicate. Um, yeah. Theory one, uh, since this is for students, um, theory one actually came to be in college. Mm -hmm. uh, we met. I was a junior in high school when we met, um, but we, my freshman year of college, we took music theory one together and music <laughs> theory two together. And I could not stand him because he would show up to class every single, you have to bring a pencil to music theory. You have to, there's just, you can't use a pen in that class. He would show up every day with nothing, no paper, no pencil, no homework done. And I would just, ugh can't believe him like again um but for us theory one was the foundation of music we learned a lot about the foundation of music in that class and in the same way we wanted to be the foundation for musicians from a technical and a business standpoint or for creatives um so we our first gig together i was the director of a music festival and he was kind of and that was through our college and student um, run, student run mm -hmm. and he was my audio guy um I thought he was gross for five years before we ended up, you know, getting married, falling in love, all that stuff. But I always knew back in college, regardless of our relationship, that I wanted to work with him. There was something about his work ethic that it, I just resonated with. Um, it, it reminded me of myself. So we've just been hustling ever since. There's not an artist that he's worked for that I also have not worked for. Um, and it's usually they bring me in if it's a special event, like if John Legend does something for his charity. We did a couple of those in, in, uh, in New York, in New York mm -hmm. several years ago. Um, John also did a special with Pandora. So they brought in theory one. We actually were in charge of recording capturing that, it, capturing it, and then mixing it down mm -hmm. later. Um, so like Paul said, it's, we've done everything from television to music festivals to world tours, mm -hmm. you know, and everything in between. We've always found a way back to each other. And that's really how theory one works. Um, it's much like a Swiss Army knife. I, it, we like the interesting things, the challenging things, not the you know, the normal day-to-day uh, -day stuff. If it's different and, and can't be done, then uh, you know, we love jumping on those. We'll make it when you when you guys started dating, who asked whom out first? It was it was more that college lifestyle of like hanging, and then. Was, and then, oh my gosh, I, I think just, I'm in love with you. Yeah. <laughs> I was on the show and was like, when are you going to start dating me? And, something like yeah, that. And I was like just that. like, oh my gosh, you have no idea how in love with you I am. <laughs> oh, that's it. great. I could it's like, because I, I met my wife in Music Theory 1 also. No way. <laughs> and, uh, and William Patterson, actually. And uh, our senior year, our fourth year, she finally asked me out. Mm. I had been in, totally in love with her for like three and a half years. Yep. Um, she finally asked me out, and then I said yes, and then you know, the rest was, is. Yeah, it was our best man who was my cousin at the time who told me that I was in love with Paul, and then who told Paul, "By the way, you have a chance with her." <laughs> you know, and if it weren't for him, we might not be together. But yeah. here we are, all these years later. So happy. Now, when, you, when you're doing these big dates or the or tour date, do you answer to the tour manager? Um, on these bigger shows, early when they're determining the um, the whole setup. The well, the, yeah, I mean, the first initial phone call actually came from the accountant the mm -hmm. last time, which it feels like more and more of the larger tours. That's more of the conversation is with accountants. 
once you have your deal done, you're kind of in the pool. And then... Well, the production managers usually recommend yes. to the account. This is our so, guy. And then we they, want this and, but that's just on big level. That's on, yeah. like, your Justin Timberlake Drake level. But, you know, once we get down the ladder a little bit, yeah, I mean, the production manager calls and says, are you available? And then, you know, what's your rate? And those type of things. And there's usually a six-point deal with travel and per diem and... It's funny because I do all those deals. I'm exactly. shocked that you know about any of it. That's fantastic. I like to, you know. We've got to the point with Theory One where people know to call me. Yeah, to, there's a lot of collection managers that don't even call me. They, they Because usually I'm, that was the biggest thing is when she started to manage me about, I don't know, five years ago. It was because I'm, you know, doing this number mixing. And I was like, I, I just can't do this anymore. I, I'm too busy to field phone calls, figure out which ones are legit and which ones are just like, you know, we're looking for a guy for a couple hundred bucks for the day. If this were non-COVID time of life, Paul would be flipping between five different artists up until right about, from from January till oh, March or April, he would have been flipping back and forth between five artists, depending on who needed him where. Mm -hmm. And then we had a, a several conversations going of, you know, we had three major artists that wanted Paul on their summer world tours. And so I was in the middle of negotiating with all three of them, like, what's your rate? What's the, how's and, the travel situation? All And then yeah. immediately overnight it all disappeared. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But once you're kind of in the camp, then, um, you know, the, the MD is musical my boss. Director. The musical director is my boss. Um, always the artist. Um, and those two have a distinct line between the band, hired band, if it's like a, you know, a pop star and the, mm -hmm. and the, and the artist. Um, yeah, the PM on a big tour, the production manager, you know, is is can tell you things to do. Um, we had a kind of a core crew um, production manager who also <laughs> would would tell you things. You know, you as a monitor engineer, I always default to the front of house engineer because they have monitors is hard, but obviously front of house you let it all hang out. Like you are, your stuff's heard by everybody. Band members will give you a. a, a you know, an out sometimes <laughs> if you miss something or, or need something. Um, but yeah, so I always kind of default to the front of house engineer for, for major audio decisions. Um, obviously, it's a it's a back and forth street. But um, yeah, it feels like on tour, there was a whole lot, whole lot of bosses and you just kind of negotiate what's going on and try to be as open as possible and, and mm -hmm. just honest about either feedback you're getting that you need to pass on to somebody that might be, you know, uh, not uh, as fortunate, but you just you just ride the wave is that yeah. tour is that tour to tour when you talk about you're answering to different yes is that because of the personalities involved per tour and you're talking about because now you're this is where it also fits in with the roadie clinic because you're constantly dealing with the psychology of all these different people whether it's in niles michigan with the clinic when that fully opens or in the real world on the road where you are uh Dealing with, you mentioned the production manager, the musical director, maybe the artist, maybe uh, the guitarist who can't hear everything in his in-ear, you know, and, and it's just on you every night because for whatever reason you looked at him the wrong way or something like that. Um, are you are you ever going to the manager? Is Are people ever coming to you and saying, don't listen to that guy, and maybe you should still be listening to that guy? How are you juggling all these different personalities? In you want to know the secret. For example. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the special sauce. Um, I have had to go to a manager before because of situations, and that's the thing is, is again, it goes back to knowing what the what at the end of the day, what is the a most important thing. And it takes a few gigs to learn. Um, 
I've been, I've been fortunate to fly a lot of friends as files, as they say, like filling in for an engineer who's, who bumps up to their A band and I'll take their B, you know, client. Um, and you just step in and you're going to, you're going to use their file. So things are already, you know, it's a roadmap, you know, kind of gives you the feel of what people want to hear. Um, but then you're dealing with, yeah, who's, who's my trouble person on stage? Who, who am I going to spend the most time on, on stage other than the artist? Um, and then dealing with filtering out, uh, you know, people who are close to the artist telling you what they like to hear, which happened my first time out with Tanya Tucker. Um, the bass player told me what she thought. I mean, obviously he's never heard her mix. There's only one, one MD I know who will flip between his mix and the artist's mix. And that was, and I, the first time I saw that, I was like, this is brilliant. And he had a little pedal and he just, look over to the artist mix just to make sure they're hearing what they needed to hear because he's the MD um, and also was the bass player, uh, keyboard synth player. Um, but yeah, once you start figuring out people, uh, I remember real young, like mid twenties, really getting down because of all the feedback. And then you just put the filter on and go, okay, what is it that needs to happen to get done today to make this show successful? And then everything else you just kind of let roll off. The psychology is real, though. Well, you always say that Paul's gig is 90% therapist and 10% technology. Actually like pushing faders. 10% actually knowing your skill. And it's true. Like, you have to, if you're going to be, if, if your goal in life is to be on these high-level tours, you really have to figure out a way to not let words really impact your, your health, your daily life, because you're, you're working with a bunch of creatives. Mm -hmm. And creatives... Or, you know, <laughs> they're beautiful people. They have beautiful minds, but sometimes they can't communicate, communicate <laughs> kindly <laughs> and appropriately what they need and what they're hoping for. And so you have to have somebody who smiles constantly and who can yep, easily no let things roll off his back and who can filter like you think that you need this raised in yours, but what you really want is this raised. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, being able to just be like, yeah, cool, no gotcha. Problem. And doing the old something. hand wave over the console. Yep. <laughs> but you have we have a sound, I'm sorry, we have a sound engineering arts program, that we, which is our pro audio program. And um, the guy who runs it, Dave Kersner, is really into everything you're saying right now. He, he will tell students and suggest to certain students who cannot work well with people or don't listen, not just listening to the music, but listening to the person talking to them and not filtering. If somebody's yelling at you, they may not be yelling at you, they're yelling at the situation and you need to just let it bounce, you know, whatever you say bounces off me sick, you know. Um, so he'll suggest to certain people, this might not be for you because so many per different personalities or because you need to learn how to deal with people. And he'll say in the studio, you need more internships. You need to deal with people more because exactly what you're saying, Courtney, these creatives, especially, uh, and you guys can, can agree or disagree, the higher they get, the more they get into their heads and maybe the ego gets bigger or people have been kissing their butts for so yeah. long um, that they are, get used to what I say goes. And Paul, you might come in and say, that mix is terrible that you've been using for the last three years. And he'll go, who the hell are you? you know, and then you get in, 
get into it. So I'm sure you've dealt with all those kind of situations. That was always my technique uh, when jumping into a new a new camp. Either for the if I'm there for the day, I'm not changing anything. I'm just flying it the way that that happened uh, a while back in Miranda Lambert, where uh, it had they'd gone through a couple. This is three or four years ago, but they'd gone through a couple engineers and I was helping a friend out um, who bumped up to his egg gig. And I walked in and just looked at it and I was like, we're getting through this. We're getting through this weekend. Uh, they already had a plan for a reboot to get it, you know, get a decent sound check and to get the desk kind of figured out. But yeah, it was just kind of like, hi, how's it going? It's going to be great. We'll get through the show. I'm over here. And that's sometimes a lot of guy, a lot of engineers will, will have their entire career on just being the familiar face on stage left. There is nothing wrong with that because the show still happens. And the the thing that Paul has going for him too is that for seven years he worked for the Tonight Show. Well, what was Late Night with Jimmy late Fallon night. and turned into the Tonight Show. And so all of those engineers and all of those artists came through and they saw him. He was mm -hmm. that guy. He was that that familiar face. Mm -hmm. And so now they see him on the road. Oh, you! I remember you from. Oh, this is gonna be great. I'm fine. Everything's fine. Even before we, you've heard any of my work, and it's, it's true. Like, mm -hmm. okay, yeah. <laughs> Some people will hire him just based on just based on that. Having been there, having been having been just a familiar face, somebody that they've seen before, so they'll just hire him because because they're and that's comfortable. A, and that's a big deal. I mean, I mean, a lot of the camps I walked into to fill in, the first thing you do is go meet the artist in the dressing room, even if it's a festival, just to say hi and like, I'm your new guy for the day, and you they get the vibe instantly. Um, my interview for, for NBC, obviously I sent in an, uh, a resume, but it was all word of mouth of people knowing kind of like the hotshot engineers that were out at that time or were available or looking to get off the road and do a TV show. And uh, when I walked in, uh, Stacy Foster, who uh, has passed, he's a, he was uh, Lauren Michaels' right-hand man for everything audio kind of in the building. Anything that Lauren was involved with, Stacy was that familiar face and he didn't even look at the resume he, he just said hello and you know i don't even remember the rest of it i was so kind of starstruck you will be auditioning at saturday night live essentially that's Good what he luck. said and, and it wasn't anything about the skills because if i'm if i'm in his room you're already vetted uh kind of the same thing the first time i met uh, the drake camp it was just like hey welcome and so they already knew you know, before you got there, who you are. And but that took years, years to develop. But it was kind of scary. It was like, wait, I just met you. <laughs> and we're already cool. <laughs> How many years would you say? Are we talking 10 years? Um, well, I mean, More than that? for 23. 20, but when it started kicking in was, yeah, right about Fallon. So that was 2009. Um, so yeah, he was about 12 years in. Mm -hmm. when okay. it, we you know, we made the decision when we got married. Like I decided to get a full-time job so we could have insurance because I knew that he was good enough. I knew that he would get there. And so my way of supporting that was giving us health insurance mm -hmm. through whatever gig I could get. Luckily, they all stayed industry related. But we so. had to be willing. And I always tell, like, we've got a couple of nephews that are coming up in the industry as well. And I always tell them, like, you have to be ready and willing to kind of starve for your craft for a while. Like, mm -hmm. you have to be okay with not seeing your family. You have to be okay with missing birthdays and holidays. You have to be okay with making nothing, barely able to pay your bills and just keep going. Like if you're willing to do that, it's something that you really want and will support you in it. But if you can't see your, like if you think you're gonna just jump from college into this lifestyle, dream on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mostly just because of the relationships, not because of the technical, not because of the talent, not because of luck, just because of the relationships. Because I mean, really, this is an industry built on fantasy and, hu and hustle and fantasy as in make 
entertainment out of nothing Truth. to entertain people to have a couple hours where they can not think about the rest of it. And so when you look at it that way, it's like, well, everything I am about is because of other people in their positions and kind of their strength in their position. Um, you know, whether it's a lighting engineer, I mean, if the light show is crap, it doesn't matter what we're doing in audio. But if the audio is, it's you're just building this pyramid on top of each other's uh, skills and relationships. And then you tear it down that night and go to the next city and you were never there. Um, other than the memories and the pictures and <laughs> the paycheck. <laughs> well, I, we, always, we always say that this is a business built on relationships, period. period. And you can always find a better guitar player. Yeah. That's never the issue. No. Uh, but listening to what we've been talking about the last few minutes, and I was uh, in the early 70s, I don't want to date myself, but I was on uh, Epic Records and was an opening act for you know, almost you name it, and um, reminiscing to all this uh, stuff you're talking about, of course. But now that you knew what it was like mm -hmm. and the... Um, not the maybe verbal beatings that you take sometimes and so on and so forth. And you still went ahead and created this this company. <laughs> it's beyond me. Um, I always tell people like it chose us. It really did. I mean, we can't see life any other way than kind of this ongoing circus. And at the same time, the balance is coming up with the roadie clinic and that idea and ideas from 20 years coming together into this this plan and we've been i mean obviously we've talked about this so much we've been the uh, same same questions you had in the initial of like how you deal with this situation how you deal with this situation mm -hmm. and the learning curve lately has been to get the right people around us and luckily um because of covid all of the you know uh, stage workers roadies entertainment workers touring professionals um we're all talking about it because that's all we have time to do. We don't have the back lounge anymore to decompress after a show. Mm -hmm. Also, it's a bunch of people, and we've, we've actually had this happen in practicality, reevaluating what they've been through the last 10, 15, 20 years. And when it ends and gets taken away from you, it becomes even more valuable because all we want to do is get back out there and, and keep entertaining. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so when you throw all that together, it's like there needs to be a balance, and we want to help facilitate Balance. I mean, the reality is, had we not pushed through and had we not, I mean, there were plenty of times where our marriage was hanging on on, on by a thread. Mm -hmm. There were plenty of times where Paul, I mean, he got done with the Super Bowl and he immediately went to the doctor and they put him on high blood pressure meds. And that was something that lasted for two years. Mm -hmm. There's all sorts of things mentally and physically that this industry has the consequences of our time in this industry, you know? And had we not experienced that, had we not felt every inch of it, had we not gone through it, we wouldn't be able to be voices in this industry for change. We wouldn't be able to start the roadie clinic and have people come around us and trust us and support us had we not um, fought through it and come out on the other side stronger. Mm -hmm. And so would we ever tell any of our kids, you know, that we love to join us? Nope. Wouldn't want them to do it. Not and, a chance. And the two nephews did it without consulting. They I, sure I, did. I they were just like, here we go. And I was like, no. <laughs> but, but they've done everything. If I mean, it chooses them, who are we to say? Yeah. You know, and it's going to continue to choose people. It's going to continue to be, you know, they're, 
I mean, it's just it's, it's the nature of the business, and so we we are here to um, help heal those wounds. Yeah. And well, right. well, let's talk. Let's talk about this because you talk about choosing. So there is a romantic idea of going mm. the road. If you're, let's 20, 22, whatever, you're in college, getting out, I want to be, we'll call it a roadie. You know, I want to be the guitar tech. I want to be the sound person. I want to whatever. I want to go on the road. I'm just, I want to either, even I want to be an agent or a promoter's agent I'm traveling. I'm, I'm not home every night. I want to be out 200 nights a year or whatever. There's something romantic about that. What do you think is the romantic part that attracts so many people? Oh, there's then, so much. <laughs> and, 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 okay, so talk about that. And then yeah. talk about the reality that they don't see that I, that I think would be great for people who are getting into it to know, just to know about, not to tell them don't go and do this, but for them to be aware of, because I think sometimes it might be awareness can help them as much as um, as the roadie clinic after things have already happened. So can you talk about the awesome coolness but in the, the real world too? Let me talk about the dream. Go ahead. And you talk about the reality. Okay. So <laughs> the, the romance behind it is, oh my goodness, I get to travel to Europe for the summer. Isn't that magical? I mean, who else gets to hit nine or 10 European cities? possible days off. And I get paid and I get per diem so I get to eat without you know having to spend my own money and I get to travel to all these places and I get to ride on a bus and I don't have to think about anything and people feed me and people pay. This is how could I not? How could I not want to do this? Mm -hmm. What's it really like? You know you're crammed into a coach seat. <laughs> Six foot four in back of the plane. On a 12 hour flight, you land, you go straight to the venue. In uh, Paris, then you're not going to see Paris. Yeah, you don't see the town. <laughs> you see, you know, you see the, you see the airport, you see the runner van, you get to the backstage of the festival or, you know, in Prague, a club. Oh, and by the way, in Europe, they don't have air conditioning in the summer. <laughs> right. Um, no air, it's air Steve, balancing yes. <laughs> and there's no ice. Carry yeah. on. So, you know, sure. on top of just kind of what's in front of you, challenges of, of uncomfortability or, you know, you're, you're, six, you're 12 hours in a field at a festival. By the way, you have to poop in an outhouse. Because you get, you get the old port of Johnson. That has no air conditioning, so imagine <laughs> that, too. Um, but then also throw in your, your you know, uh, if you're in Europe and, and around 2 o'clock, because that's when America starts waking up, yeah. you get a text and your kid's sick or we're on our way to the hospital right now yeah. um i know there's nothing you can do about it except worry all day long but we're going to be in the hospital with your kids sorry about it i'll tell you more when so i can you tuck that to the back and try to perform your show oh, and then you realize that there's no cell phone reception because you didn't get the right plan and you're in europe and so now even if you want to know what's going on with your kid yes. you can't know what's going on carry on there you mm -hmm. go are we doing a good job <laughs> yeah well that's why we always say uh, we always say that uh, with the arts, any of the arts, uh, they tried to stop us a thousand times and they didn't. And uh, that's when you know that, you know, this is what you want. They put up every roadblock they possibly could, whether it was commercial, financial, a homebody, so on and so forth, and you're still doing it. Yeah. Uh, and you can't, you can't stop somebody. We will get, uh, you know, phone calls that uh, my son is uh, thinking about being a music major, what can they do and so on. And I always say, 
Well, if they're gravitating to this building, mm. then you can't stop them. If they're coming to this building on their own, I mean, you know, there's pictures of me with my baseball uniform on playing my trumpet at 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 years old, you know, and I would come home, not even change and start playing and so on. So that's, uh, that's exactly what you're saying here. You know, even it, uh, that romantic thing is uh, over right away. Mm -hmm. I mean, putting the towel underneath the, the door of the motel so the bugs won't come in while you're sleeping. Yes. But you learn to do pretty quickly, you know, yeah. so on. Shower or, shoes. Yeah, yeah. Well, you mentioned um, no AC, so the, and then no screens on the windows. No. Um, or, and so when you mentioned the portage on with uh, no AC, and obviously there's a smell issue going on, and maybe no hand sanitizer, and yeah. maybe no toilet paper, but you really had to go. You learn to well, carry your own, by that, the way. That's the thing, is, is you kind of take on this, like, roadie superhero yeah. thing where everything's in your pelican and your backpack and yeah. you just prep yourself for what you think you're going to get into and then you and know, i would you i would think it's easy i'm sorry I, I would think it's easier for a guy to imagine you i'm not trying to get gross but or or that person but if you're, woman, you're menstruating guy. or something yeah. like that yeah. let's add that onto it as well and let's add the sleep and let's add the hormones and the moods and and you can't flush anything on, on a tour bus. bus. Not even your toilet paper. All right. As so a woman. So then it sits in the And then you're the only can. woman on that bus, so the guys really don't understand. And you walk in there, and there's just pee all over everywhere, but it doesn't matter right. because you got to go. Yeah, being a girl on even, tour is a little more difficult. And it tours in, South, tours in South America, so you've got Montezuma's Revenge on the second day. <laughs> Get it. Forget it. You got to get through that. Drink the water. You got to learn what your body can handle. You have to learn what foods to avoid. You have to learn your limit on how much you really should be drinking. And when you're young, when you're in your 20s or even your late teens and you're on a bus, mm -hmm. it's like a, you think that it's just a constant party town. And that's what yeah. you should be doing. Right. And it catches up real quick. We're, we're seeing now, and I mean, touring has, is you know, you can look at a timeline linearly, but we're just now getting to like 50, 55 years of when people started putting gear into a vehicle and following touring. Yeah. You know, the Claire Brothers following uh, uh, Four Seasons yeah. of yeah. back in the day from fair to fair. We're just now getting to the point where there's people who are 70 who are aging out of touring and mm -hmm. the kids coming in, I, I say kids very respectfully, are now have to be like IT directors. We're, everything I do is digital. Lighting is just, you know, yeah. all it is is Cat5 and, and universes, <laughs> as they call them. And right. the level of, of technicality now required, especially even in the RF world, dealing with frequencies as bands of white space get sold off and you have to put in frequencies into tiny little sections of the, of the spectrum, everything is becoming more and more technical. Mm -hmm. What's RF world? What's that mean? Uh, radio frequencies. So everything that we deal wireless. with, microphones, uh, wireless packs, guitar wireless. Um, you know, the government keeps, especially in America, keeps selling off more and more frequency bands to telecom and, and such. And so we have less places to put the frequencies we need to use on a daily basis. So for like the Super Bowl, Paul's worked at many a Super Bowl. They're given like here's here's the frequencies you're allowed, your even though usually you can choose between you know. Usually many. we have sixty, so they try to use twenty. 
So then you start triaging of what you know what out you can allocate to, to get down to that number. But here's the other thing to remember in touring. So what he's saying is you have to be able to learn on your own. You have to pay attention to what's Trends, happening in changes. new technology um, in your field. You have to you have to know how to teach yourself. You have to be your own HR representative. You have to be your own advocate for your mental health. You have to be your own um, accountant. You have to be your own everything. And that's one reason why the clinic came to be as well, because adulting is difficult as an adult when you have a nine to five job and a house to come home to. Try adulting when you're home 50 days a year. And then in those 50 days, you're supposed to fit in all your doctor's appointments, all your dentist appointments, see all your kids, whatever, you know, make sure that your partner feels like the most important person in the entire world, which is close to impossible. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a challenge. It's daunting, it's daunting for sure. So Paul, you, so Paul you, you would rather be a uh, a live engineer than a studio engineer. It's it's been the course. I've I've had I kept my feet in both worlds for a while, and and it just takes way too much obviously time travel, um, but also uh, yeah the studio side takes so much dedication, um, you know to make your sound to make you as a, a name, um, and yeah the the live side just kept uh dragging me in <laughs> mostly it was because and this going back to a thought from earlier is there's more family there's more uh, you know it's you you have the person my tech whoever's with me uh the RF person uh, the backline guy whoever's my side of the stage you become very intimate with those people because you're spending way more time than you are with uh you know your normal family and yeah, I just, I just really enjoyed being on the road. Um, there's kind of a, a pattern to the day. Like you load in, you do your show, you load out. Uh, mm -hmm. When it's the gears in the truck, it's kind of gone. It's not like you can spend another five hours working on the mix. And I kind of yeah. like being on, on point in the moment. Uh, you know, gosh, when I started, I'm, I'm usually a modern engineer over the years. Um, I've done enough front of house to be dangerous. And I really respect those, those engineers that do front of house. It's a whole different beast. It's a whole different medium. Uh, there's a lot more of the wind <laughs> to deal with and those uh, those physics but um, you know the moment when the lights go out and you, you just solo the star mic to even make sure you hear ambience just so you know when they walk out and walk up to that mic something will be there because that's the worst feeling you know for whatever reason if you know wrong mic goes up or if it's dead or whatever but just to have that confidence when the lights go out and soloing that lead mic and the kind of the fear sets in and then all the instincts kick in as to what has to happen next. And then the bolt comes out of the gate, the band starts, the artist grabs the mic and we're into it. Like that's, that's when I ride is when the wave comes up and picks you and grabs you and you're in that moment and you're as much in tune with the band as they are with each other. There's an energy that comes from the live show that you don't really get in the studio. Yeah. By the way, Courtney, uh, as an introvert, you're doing a horrible job. So we'd like to speak yeah. a little bit. Well, I, can, I can play real well. I grew up as a pastor's kid, so I know how to turn it on. I'm go straight to bed when this is over. <laughs> That's awesome. So let me ask you guys, a, it's kind of a personal question. You alluded to it, but it relates to this entire discussion and especially relates to the Rody Clinic. Paul's somebody who's been away quite a bit. And you said at times it really strained the marriage.
So mm-hmm. was able to keep it together. Paul, knowing how this is, we're just in a, you know, roller coaster marriage. We are certainly low right now. And then, um, Courtney, what would you do during the highs and the lows? How, how did you guys deal with it? And why are you still together today? Well, first thing you should know about us is that this one over here is bipolar and I have generalized anxiety disorder. Mm-hmm. And so we have a healthy dose of medications that keep us level and that helps. If we go off of those meds, it, it can get interesting. <laughs> um, what is, sorry, what is generalized anxiety disorder? I haven't heard of that so My anxiety comes out of nowhere for no reason. So a lot of people will, will get a panic attack because they're going into a situation and that might trigger. Yeah, it might trigger them. For me, I could be in my happiest spot having my favorite, like I'm in the tub with bubbles and Netflix and my drinks and whatever. And then all of a sudden, I feel like there's an elephant on my chest and I can't breathe. And, uh, mm. you know, I just start spiraling. Um, and there's there's just no rhyme or reason to it. It's a chemical imbalance that just messes with me when it chooses to and leaves me alone. And when I'm on my meds, it's 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 fairly docile. But there are still times where one can sneak through. Um, when you got so, married, did you guys know you each had these particular maladies? So this was something you figured out during... Our, yeah, our first, first year, year of marriage, I told Paul... He was always, he was always a little on the manic side of life, and I just assumed he was ADD. Um, but after our first year of marriage and and the insanity that was, you know, Paul staying up for like three days in a row and major highs and super lows, I was like, "This is it. You go to the doctor, or I'm done. I cannot do this anymore." And he did, and he got that diagnosis, and I was shocked because that's a, that's um, something that's been in my family gene pool for ever, um, but on the very extreme side of things. I've had several family members that have to be institutionalized for that. Um, and he, his is a little bit more mild, and it's been managed with um, meds and therapy. Mm-hmm. And therapy is really a big reason Huge. that we're still together mm-hmm. for both of us. We, there was a season, um, his first big tour, his first big time away was with John Legend for the Evolver tour. And it was a theater tour. And so we moved every night. every night, just jump in and out, in and out. And so there was just no time. There was no communication. I would call him. Hey, hon, how you doing? Uh, oh, so are, do you miss me? Can you tell me a story? <laughs> Here's a great thing that happened. Oh, okay, great. And it would make me crazy so he came off of that tour and i he would come up the stairs and i immediately would start having panic attacks like i'd hear his voice or i'd know that it was his walk coming up the steps and i'd run into the bedroom and lock myself in there like i just couldn't i didn't know him i felt like i was living with a stranger it was not a marriage that i knew or understood and that was that was the hardest moment in our marriage. My mom actually flew in for the week, and we had just intense marriage counseling. Um, we found some other counselors in the area. At the time, I was not healthy either, and so you know, I joined a gym, and we both realized the importance of physical activity mm-hmm. and what that does for your mental health. And so we both joined the gym. We both got trainers, and so between the marriage counseling and the physical training. Um, we learned a whole new set of skills. We learned how each other communicated a whole lot better. Um, Paul started to understand who I was and what my head looked like. That therapy was the first time I realized that I was actually an introvert. I never knew that that was something that I could be. I never understood that that's who I was in my core. Um, 
And when my therapist told me that, like a light switch went off and Paul started reading up on that. That's one thing that I credit to him. Um, he's always read up on anything that I have struggled through. with or anything that he has struggled with. He actually dives in and learns about it. And we find, you know, what, what can help us we see we see our triggers we try to avoid triggering each other we've learned how to fight um which is not an easy thing to learn uh paul what if if we fight paul immediately wants to sit down and look in each other's eyes and fix Figure it immediately it if he doesn't want to get beat then i need to go into another room for an hour and i need to settle down my rage or else i will physically assault the man and that's just something that we learned over time um so it really, it's, it's what we've learned is that he has to be intentional on the road. He has to be intentional about calling me, about actually having conversations. So we'll actually put in a calendar, like, let's talk about this today. Let's talk about this today. Let's focus on this for each other today. Um, sometimes we'll have date nights where he will, um, he'll call, like when we lived in New York, he would call a delivery company and he would he would choose my dinner and it would show up and I wouldn't know what was happening, you know? And so we'd have dinner and a movie together where we each did takeout for the other person and we had it arriving at the same time. One and then device put on FaceTime and one, one device, device on, on Netflix. Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> and so we'd be there like next to each other, you know, his face was here as Netflix was there and we, we'd fig we figured it out. Mm -hmm. um, but it just, it took years, years and years of, of and we're still, we still struggle. Like, He's been home since March, but mm. there is a chance that he's going to leave for the entire month of September. And I, I've lost all my nails, like worrying about what that's going to do. That What's that going to look, look like? Because like? I, you know, I haven't been on my own in time but then what's funny is we put the clinic hat on it's like oh this is r d this is research and looking at everything as r d really is deconstruct it and you know figure out if there's some gems in there to pass along yeah mm -hmm. <laughs> wow um we have about three minutes left oh wow yeah because it's been good oh so i actually had a um years ago i did a podcast where mostly i would talk to the wives of Major League Baseball players, nice. active players or retired players. And in general, what the wives would say was their marriage was best during the season because the, the ball player was pretty much gone for six months from, say, March 1st through October 1st. And for mm -hmm. six months, um, the wife ran the house, especially yeah. when they had kids. And the hard part was when the ball player would come back October 1st, if they didn't make the playoffs or whatever, all of a sudden he comes in and he's like, why are you doing that? Why are you putting that there? Why is the kid- Transition day, we... that's what we call it, yes. We labeled it, we had to label that. What do you call it? The transition, transition day. day. 24 yeah. hours where yeah. nothing I want more but for you to be home, but why are you breathing that way? And why did you put your bag there? And why is everything all over my house? And why didn't you put your dishes in the dishwasher? And why didn't you put your clothes in the hamper? And, it, and it's the smallest, stupidest thing, but it's enough to make the biggest explosion. Yeah. Right. And so what we do now to try to avoid that transition day is we've learned the day before, hey, I know that when you get home, you like to make your suitcase explode all over the floor. Do you think that maybe you could only, you know, have it explode onto the couch and not all over the apartment? And then he'll say to me, like, I know you're used to controlling our whole entire house. <laughs> Let me do the dishes the way I do that. You know, so we acknowledge, yes. like, we, we call each other out before before he comes home. Mm -hmm. And that has seemed to ease that transition day a little bit. But it's true. They are happiest on the road because their purpose is fulfilled. 
and we have control of the house at home and I don't love that, but I become a single single. independent woman, essentially fully committed, Mm -hmm. but independent. Yeah. Um, and that's where the counseling has really helped. That's where we've, you know, we've relied on professional counselors and on close friends. Um, and we've, we've developed systems to love each other the best we possibly can when we're together, which right now is all the time, but soon <laughs> will be not at all. And so we've, we've really worked on, on that. And we're hopeful that we can share that uh, when we're working with people in the clinic. Meanwhile, Marconi, both, I don't know if you guys read the Springsteen book, Born to Run, that came out a few years ago that he wrote. The thing that, I, that always stuck with me, he would come back, especially as he started to realize he, he battled manic depression, his, has, has battled his whole life, and his father had it. And he would come back from a tour, a big world tour, where on the last day of the tour, 70,000 people all screaming, Bruce, Bruce, Bruce. 24 hours later, he's at home in a bedroom by himself. Yep. It was the most uh, depressing thing for him. And he would, when you talk about transition, it would take him three, four days of just being in the room by himself, shades down, crying, whatever, because he didn't know how to deal with this horrible contrast of mm-hmm. relation to the kids want you to make breakfast, you know, within 24 hours and you're dealing with jet lag and you're having you know, um, so some emotional issues as it is, you know, so you're dealing with a ton of stuff as it relates to uh, the, the exact same thing. Yeah. You know, we're not the star in front of those 70,000 people, but he's right there. He's right there hearing those 70,000 people yes. scream. He's the one making sure that Bruce can hear it in his ears. Um, and they experience the exact same thing that you the artists that. do. The, exa- mm-hmm. the, totally t- the jet lag, the kids wanting you and you not knowing being in your bedroom for days on end again this is why the clinic for our people yeah well this is great i'll I'll take it one step further and that is you're uh you're an open you have an album out and you're an opening act let's say you're open for uh i don't know the grateful dead and you open for the dead for two or three nights then you come back and it's monday and tuesday you play in a club across the street for 200 bucks again because you're lucky if you got even scale the weekend before living in a Motel 3. And that's totally schizophrenic. I mean, it's yeah. totally, <laughs> you, you just can't figure your band out or why you're doing it or, or, or anything, but you continue to do it. Yep. Uh, yeah, same principle. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, the principles of relationships and working hard were covered deeply in this interview. Yes. Dave and I will send you a bill, of course, for our <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We feel we've helped you quite a bit. And you this will pay whatever you need. Just let us know. <laughs> yeah. Actually just give us a couple rooms for uh, a few weeks in Niles, Michigan at some point. And yeah. Yeah. that's right. And please cook for us. But this has been great having Courtney and Courtney and Paul on. Do you agree, Marconi? This has been very good. Very good. Flew by. It flew by. <laughs> yes. So they can. Thank you for having us. Is it was it theoryone.com? Theoryone Productions.com and theroadyclinic.com. And theroadyclinic.com. And there's a great article in Rolling Stone about you guys as well. So you can Google Paul Clemson Rolling Stone or Courtney Clemson K L I M S O N Rolling Stone. Brody Clinic Rolling Stone, all of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's all great stuff. So thank you for taking the time to be with us on Music Twenty Four. We will see you again. We love you. All right. Thanks, guys. Take care. Bye. What happened to Adios? Well, now we're going to...
get to the audios because we want to thank them. That was awesome. This was a great show, Marconi. We learned a lot. We appreciate for people listening to Brave New Radio and Music Biz 101 more of the podcast. And so at the end of the show, what do we say? Say our video stick. We say adios. So one, two, three. Adios! I've traveled way too far to lose myself. I've been through hell and back. I'm back. I battle tainted minds, misconceptions of my kind. Leave them guessing all the time. Who I am? Who I am? Sisters on me, keep our composure, you'll see, ready like soldiers. Smile like you're happy, be of the understand. 